Well, today we're continuing in a two-part message focused on joy. And if you missed last week's message, be sure to check out our website, findinggrace.net. Not only can you listen to the message from last week there, but you can also check out many other valuable resources as well as previous messages from Pastor Sean, too. So today as we focus on joy, we're going to be going a different direction because last week we focused on joy within oneself, our own joy on the inside. But today we're going to be going the direction of the outside and how do we help others to choose joy. So I want to give you guys just a brief recap of last week just to jog your memory and help you to remember the direction we're going. So last week we started with a picture from Disney's Pixar's movie Inside Out. It started with a picture of joy up front there. And many of you have seen that movie or you've seen previews of that movie. And I even showed you a short video clip about our emotions. And it talked about the different emotions from the movie. I love that video clip. I love the picture of joy. Not because it's accurate to a biblical example of what joy should be, but because it it helps us to be able to visualize joy. It helps us to be able to think of what is joy. And that's what we talked about last week. We talked about what is joy and what is the difference from joy to happiness. And then how do we let that control our lives? So we, we talked about the world's definition of joy, which is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. The world seems to think that happiness and joy and love, all these things are just connected and one and the same. But we know that they're not the same. God's word tells us a very different story. We have joy because of our salvation in Jesus Christ, our belief in God and our relationship with God. And once we have that relationship with God, that proper relationship, we have the Holy Spirit within us, which gives us the fruit of the Spirit within us. And joy is a fruit. And because of that, it's a free gift to us which never goes away. We always have that gift. And although we may struggle with life circumstances, although we might struggle with grief and with mourning and bad times, hard times, struggles, we still always have that joy. But we must choose to focus on that joy. Joy and happiness are not the same. Joy is not an emotion, but rather an attitude of life. Happiness is temporary and fickle. But joy is permanent and settled. You may still be joyful despite your circumstances because joy is a consequence of our faith and obedience to God, a gift from the spirit that's within you. And that spirit does not leave you in bad times. On the contrary, that spirit should be there to help you through those bad times. This brings us back to Philippians chapter 4. And if you want to start opening your Bibles there, we're going to continue, but we're going to start with the same scripture. We're just going to read a little bit further. So open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, and feel free to please stand as you get that ready as we read our scripture for today. All right, so Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 20, and we start with this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. 
Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. So we're going to continue from here to read our scripture for today. But that's just a great reminder from last week about how we might choose joy within ourselves is by focusing on these things. Verse 10, we read on. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs. And once again, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from... From Epaphroditus, the gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Let's go ahead and bow our heads as we pray over God's word here. Lord, I thank you for delivering us this message today in your word in Philippians. And I thank you for giving me this humbling blessing to be able to preach your word, to deliver your word. I just pray today to speak through me. Open up our eyes. Open up our hearts. Open up our minds to be able to hear what you want us to hear. Convict us of how we might need to change in our lives or how we might need to deliver your word to others. In your holy name we pray. So I thank you for the slides working this morning, too. I praise God for that. Um, I did spend some time getting that ready for you, so I hope you're able to use it this morning. And hopefully we won't have another thunderstorm roll through this morning last, like last week, because I did hear that there was quite the spark from one of the speakers and almost went through me. So that's kind of a, that kind of wakes you up when you're preaching. But remember, this is Paul speaking here in Philippians this morning. And I I really think that means a lot to us because we can look at Paul's life and his word, what he's speaking to us, brings authority behind it. Not just because it being God's word, but because of what he's been through in life. He's a man stuck in prison, a man who's been persecuted for his faith. Persecuted like none of us can even imagine. Tortured for what he does. Tortured for believing in Jesus. And yet he never gives up. He always continues to serve Jesus. Yet he's still a man filled with joy, and he's rejoicing. In almost every chapter of Philippians, it seems he encourages us, he challenges us to rejoice. He's always there encouraging us. 
But we're going to be looking at verse 10 to 20 today, how not necessarily how Paul explains to us how to choose joy or how to rejoice, but we're able to look to an example of how the Philippians helped him to have that joy. I read to you the first section just to kind of jog your memory, but we're starting at verse 10, and how do we help others to choose joy? That's our topic today, but what we're really going to be focusing on is this. In verse 10, it tells us to show concern for others. It says, Rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You are indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. So what I really want to focus on today is just that. He's rejoicing because he's seeing that the Philippians are showing concern for him. So we too need to show concern for others. We need to look for opportunities And sometimes that means we need to make opportunities because we really struggle with finding those opportunities. It's said in my research that there has been about 10 years has passed since he said the Philippians has had time or an opportunity to give to him, to help him. We don't want 10 years to go by as we try and help out our our neighbors, our friends, our family, our co-workers. Instead, every single day we should be looking for opportunities to help him. Last week, I shared with you my recent loss of my Aunt Pam. I shared with you stories that were shared at her funeral. This week, I had another family member pass away, and it wasn't really a family member. I consider her a family member, but it was my dad. Um, my dad has a friend, his best friend, Carl Schooler, and he was very close to us growing up, so close that we actually called him Uncle Carl, and he was in the will as our godfather. And he came to almost all of our family reunions. He came to all of our get-togethers, even our family holidays like Christmas, Fourth July party at the family, at my grandparents. Well, this week he lost his wife. And they were married for a short 20 years. And just a few months back she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. So she lost them. She passed away this week. But I'm not going to be talking a lot about her life this morning like I did with Pam. I'm not going to be talking a lot about her viewing or funeral, but I do want to share with you, first of all, that she was a believer. And we praise Jesus for that, that that she knows who Jesus Christ is, and her and her husband both accepted Christ when she was diagnosed with this cancer. So we praise God for that. But this week, I was able to go to hospice and spend some time with them. And God kind of led me in a different direction than what I expected. And and. It's great how God provides for us when we need his help or when other people need our help. In this way, Satan really works on us too. He he works on us, especially in times like this when you're trying to deliver God's message. But I went into hospice not knowing what I was going to say, what I was going to do, but I really thought this Uncle Carl of mine, almost like a second father to mine in some ways, I I thought I was just going to come in, give him a big hug, tell him, you know, Carl, I don't know what to tell you. I'm here for you. I'm struggling with you, and my heart breaks for you. But what I found as I walked in, and all of her family was there. She had about 10 different people there. And I just felt God telling me to share with them about joy. I felt God telling me, hey, you're talking about joy to your church people. Why aren't you talking about joy to the world? So I came in there, and I was able to share with them my message to you guys about choose joy from last week. I was able to talk to him about rejoicing in the Lord our God. And even those times will hurt and you go through this sadness, this struggle this morning. I told him, I can't begin to imagine what you're going through now. But what I do know is that as long as you find your joy in God and in his salvation of you, 
you can still have joy. I was able to witness to his whole family there. I was able to read to him from some other scripture as well. But it was great to be able to help them to choose joy in times like these. In Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 8, we read this. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. This verse reminds us of many things. I'm sure many of you have personal memories that maybe even this brings up. This verse has even been used in the secular world to make a song a while back. And maybe you even think about the lyrics of that song, which literally are right here, or the melody to that song. But it has such meaning behind it. Because as it talks about being born and dying, tearing down and rebuilding, weeping, mourning, but a time to laugh, a time to dance, it really illustrates the fact to us that it's normal to go through these life stages of struggles. But it doesn't mean that we should have to lose our hope, lose our joy, or to give up. But sometimes we do need some help, you know? And that's what we're really focusing on today is how do we help other people? How do we help them to choose the joy that we already have within? How do we help my Uncle Carl to choose joy or my Uncle Tim to choose joy after losing a loved one? How do you, too, help other people in your life to choose joy? Maybe it's a coworker, a friend, a relative. Maybe it's a neighbor that you're always feeling led to talk to, but you just have never talked to because you don't feel like you know what to say. We're going to be talking about that. You see, these recent two deaths just really got me thinking about this topic, about how do I help Carl? When I think I don't have the words to say, what should I say? What should I do? And that brought me to show concern for others. But the very first thing we need to do is we need to start with the gospel. In John 15, 12 to 13, another familiar verse, we read this. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. This is the ultimate example of showing someone else love, of showing somebody else the joy that we should have within. Because not only do we have that you love one another as I have loved you. So you have a, well, first of all, let me point out, this is a commandment from Jesus. This is a commandment that you love one another as I loved you. So we should do this just because we're commanded by our Lord, by our Savior to do so. But it's easier to read it than to actually do it. But then you have that second part. We do it as I have loved you, as Jesus has loved us. Because Jesus laid his life down for us to die for us. And that's our example. That's what we should be doing. That's the example of Christ giving us joy. Now, obviously, we're not going to go home today and literally lay our lives down, sacrifice our lives, die for our friend. Now, maybe you would if you were presented that opportunity and somebody really needed your help in that way. Maybe you're thinking, man, I'd step in the way of a bullet for my friend, and that's great. I applaud you for that. But it's meaning figuratively. 
It's meaning, how are you sacrificing yourself each and every single day to help other people around us? How are you putting aside some of your own wants and your own desires to be able to take a step out in faith and show somebody else that you care, to show somebody else concern that you have for them and to be there for them? You see, without Christ in the gospel, we cannot truly find joy. And that's why we must start with the gospel, without the gospel of Jesus Christ, without the cross, without God, without a properly restored relationship with him. Someone may feel like they have lost all hope. They might feel what's the point in living. They might they may find happiness from time to time, but that happiness is fickle. It's temporary and it will soon go away. And I truly believe that's why we have the struggles we have today in the area of Troy and Piqua and Dayton and the world with drugs and this heroin epidemic is because people are looking for hope. But without knowing Christ as your Savior, without a proper relationship with God, they're not going to find that hope. They're only finding temporary fixes, temporary happiness. But our first commandment is that we need to show them that love that Christ showed us. We need to help them to find that joy. Do you know how to share the gospel? Have you ever shared your faith? I want you to think about that in your head for a moment. When was the last time you shared your faith with somebody that you shared the gospel? Have you accepted Christ as, the savior, as your Savior yourself? I want to read some verses here, and I want you to just think in your head, are these familiar to me? Have you accepted this? And then maybe after that, think, have I ever told somebody else about this? So in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. 5.12, therefore, just as though one man's sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But God demonstrates his love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. A favorite for mine is just a reminder that he didn't wait for us to get on his good side and start seeking after him. He sought after us and sent his son for us while we were sinners. Romans 10, 9 to 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Then lastly, Romans ten thirteen, for whoever calls on the name on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you called upon the name of the Lord to be saved? Have you told somebody else these scriptures? Sometimes we overcomplicate the gospel. We're told to share it with the world. We're told to show our neighbors our love. We're we're told to help one another and to be there for one another but we feel like we're not good enough to really tell somebody maybe it's because you think you have to say it a certain way maybe it's because you think you have to have it memorized or you have to use a certain trick or certain plan because there's so many different books out there saying try this try that try this such as i just read to you the romans road that's one method of sharing your faith and we try and make these methods for you or for us to make it easier for us and to take off the pressure for us because we have this little cheat sheet. But maybe you're just afraid that you'll get asked questions that you won't know how to answer. Sometimes all those cheat sheets in the world 
can really make it harder because we feel confined. We feel like we have to do it a certain way or else. Or we feel like, what if we get it mixed up? What if we, with, what if we mess it up? Or we feel like there's so many different ways, I just don't know what to do, what to use. Well, first of all, let me ensure you that as we're trying to show other people joy through the joy of Christ, we need to depend on God and the spirit within you. We're just the messenger. God within us is really the one in control of salvation. God's the one that's in control. But we need to depend on him to give us the words to say and know that we're doing his work. Don't make it so difficult. That's easy to say, isn't it? But here's what I want to tell you. I want to tell you to just talk about your story. And by story, I mean just tell people about your testimony. And that's kind of one of those big, scary words, too, that I've talked to the teens a lot about. Because a lot of people don't really know, what is a testimony? What do you want me to tell them? So I changed the word testimony to story. Because I feel that really helps illustrate what I'm talking about. Your story is talking to somebody about your before Christ. How was your life before Christ? What did you do with your life? How was life? Probably not too filled with joy, was it? Okay, second. Your salvation experience. How did you come to know Christ, Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior? What happened that night? So I would share about my brother Michael inviting me into his bedroom and asking me to do a Bible study with them. I talked to to somebody about how he read Sodom and Gomorrah with me. He read the story of of um, Samson and David and Goliath, and then he just read a simple witnessing track, another method, and it just illustrated the bridge the bridge illustration. God's over here, we're over to here, there's this chasm, this canyon, and there's no way to get across to him except for Jesus' cross, bridges that gap so we can get over. I was in sixth grade at the time, I accepted Jesus as my Savior that night, and I praise God for that. But, but here's the thing, this is your story. You read a story at home, maybe it's by the newest famous author, I don't know, honestly, I don't read a lot of those books, but... but do you share that story with people? You probably do. There's even book clubs out there. Again, not part of a book club, but people are. And you share those stories with people. But when is the last time you shared your story with somebody? The last part of your story is your life after Christ. And a lot of times that's the part we leave out. But that's the part we need to share with people. And we need to be honest with those people to let them know life isn't always filled with happiness. It's okay to go through struggles and you're going to. But what we need to remember is that Christ is still there for us, still there to help us through those struggles, and that we have the gift of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit inside of us to help us through those struggles. And one of those is joy. Don't be afraid to tell them about the gospel in your own words. And that's what I would say your story is great about, because it's using your own words. But there's many different helps out there as we talk. There's the Romans Road, there's the Gospel Message, there's Life in Six Words, there's all these different methods. I do like how Life in Six Words puts it. It says it very well, and I've got a slide up there to show you. But it's so simple. It's the Gospel. G-O-S-P-E-L. God created us to have a life with Him, a relationship with Him. Our sins separate us from God. Sins cannot be redeemed by good deeds, but paying the price for our sins, Jesus died and rose again. Everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life, and life with Jesus starts today and lasts forever. 
Why this is great is it starts at the very beginning of the Bible in creation at Genesis. God created us to have a relationship with him. And it goes all the way through the New Testament at talking about Jesus. And it's in your own simple layman terms words. Now, obviously, you can put different Bible verses, different scripture with that to memorize. But you can also do it just like that. You can use 30 simple seconds to share the gospel with somebody in your life. What's also great about this, and again, I'm not a fan. I I am a fan of methods or tricks or plans to help you. But why I'm not a fan is sometimes it it makes us overcomplicate things, and then we end up not doing it at all. But why I like this, again, it's your own words. It's easy. It's easy to just memorize because you just think of gospel. And what does gospel stand for? God, our sins, paying everyone life. Even in just those simple words, you just told somebody the gospel without even saying it. But what's great, too, you don't have to be afraid of getting it out of order because you can start at the very end and work towards the beginning. You can start at the middle. You can start, you know, everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life because God created us to have a relationship with him, but our sin separated us. But paying the price for sin, Jesus died for us. It's a great a great way to share your faith with other people and to help them to know that true joy, true hope is found in Jesus Christ alone. I see some teens in the congregation here who learned this with me on a mission trip a few years ago to Chicago. And we were able to share this message with strangers, random people on the Chicago streets. And it's one of my greatest memories of my life and something that we need to do more often. It's it's funny how we can do those things when we go out of town and we don't know people, but we're too afraid to do it with our own people that we know in our lives. This morning we were talking about how do we get more people in our church? How do we outreach to people? And this is where it starts. It starts with the gospel. It starts with showing people that you are concerned for them. But the next step kind of follows that same step, that, that same theory of, choose, of um, showing concern for others. But it's be there for them. So two simple steps for you with one overlying theme. The theme is show concern for others. First, through showing them the gospel. Second, by being there for them. This may be accomplished in many ways. We can't cover them all. But we read many examples from Philippians 4 right here that we read today. Such as we start with show concern. Look for opportunities. Make opportunities. This is directly from Philippians 4 here where we read that look for the needs and provide for those needs. The Philippians were looking for needs and providing for Paul. They were looking for opportunities and once found, they provided for him. Help them to be content. Paul is content. But he's content because he has the joy of the Lord. He's content because he has right, he's rejoicing in God. But then he's also content because he's being taken care of by the Philippians. Remind people around you that they can do all things through Christ Jesus. As long as they have a relationship with him, Christ is there for them. No matter what you go through, no matter what struggle, Christ is there. Philippians 4, they also tells us to share in their troubles. Send help. It says that, that they sent help for Paul. Remember that you will be blessed for serving others. He kind of ends this section with talking to us about we'll be blessed for serving others. And we shouldn't do things because of that, because we're just wanting to be blessed. But it's a great reward that God values how we treat other people so much that he'll bless us for serving him. 
and for serving others. But he also kind of ends with talking about honoring God, glorifying God in how you help others. He says, acceptable. Let me read that here. A sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And I want to just put that out there. Is your life and how you're helping other people to choose joy, is it acceptable to God? Is it honoring to him? Is it glorifying to him? Are you just giving a little bit and you could give so much more, but you're afraid to give up too much of your time? I know that's a hard thing to come back from because you can't get more time. But maybe that's one way that we can help others to choose joys by giving them more time of ours. There are thousands of counseling books, classes about this topic, so we're not focusing on all that, but we're focusing on just being there for other people, showing concern for them. I know what some of you may be thinking. Some of you may be thinking about Patrick. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a psychologist, a shrink. I'm not a doctor. I don't get paid for this. I don't know what to do. But you don't need to be some professional to just be there for other people. God created you to be you. God doesn't want you to be somebody else. You are wonderfully made. And God wants you to be the person that he created you to be. But we need to allow other people to see the gifts that he's given you. And one of those gifts is joy. But he also created each and every one of us to be there for one another. To help each other. And to help them find and to choose joy. To help them find Jesus and the hope that's found in him. And to help them find and choose the joy that they have after that. And never to forget it. Allow them to talk to you. Here are some simple steps for you. If you're thinking, well, how can I be there for somebody that's going through a rough patch in life? For me, I'm talking about my Uncle Carl. But for you, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a coworker that recently lost his job or a neighbor. I don't know what it is. Whatever struggle, whatever burden. But allow them to talk to you. Maybe they need to cry with you. And yes, I say cry with you. It's okay for people to see that you also struggle or that you care because there's no better way for them to see that you care for them to see that you're sharing in their trouble and that it affects you too. That your heart breaks for them and let them know that. Listen to them. You may think you don't know what to say, but maybe they just need someone to listen to them, to vent with, to yell at. Live life with them in the trenches. And don't be afraid to get your hands, your knees, your feet dirty as you're in the trenches with them, living life with them. Bear one another's burdens. In Galatians 6, Galatians 6, we read about bearing one another's burdens. What are the burdens that we need to bear for one another? The Greek word rendered burden is phareos, meaning something that makes an overwhelming demand. That which brings sorrow or grief, a burden, is anything that oppresses the spiritual development of a brother or sister. Now mark that well. Remember that. A burden is anything that oppresses the spiritual development of a brother or a sister. Last week we talked about spiritual disciplines and how that can help you to choose joy. But if you're going through this big burden, that can affect your spiritual disciplines. And that's why we need to help each other, be there for each other. To help them remind, help remind them to stay focused on God through all of it. With that definition, we can see that burdens come in many different forms. For example, some are spiritual. And that's where we start in Galatians 6 where it says, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself as you may also be tempted. 
Then command, then are commanded, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. So burdens may be sin related or they may also be emotional related. Maybe it's maybe it's um, when we're a victim of sin. Maybe we have been mistreated or neglected. Maybe it's the result of a fear or grief. Maybe it's emotional burdens of being overwhelmed with stress or self-confidence issues or identity issues or just thinking you're not good enough. We all struggle with these emotional burdens. Physical, they may be this. They may be caused by illness or accident or impairment or sometimes just by, by aging. Financial, a financial calamity brought on by layoff, a medical emergency, a poor investment, 101 other factors. But we don't have space to list them all. And even if I did, it wouldn't change the fact that the solution to these burdens is that we need to be there with one another, carrying those burdens together, helping each other. Be honest and let them know that you struggle too. Don't try and seem like this perfect person, but remind them that God never leaves. He's always there for you to comfort you, to guide you. And he's our shepherd, the shepherd that's there in the valley for us, the shepherd that's there on the mountaintop for us, the shepherd that's there with his staff to protect us from the wolves, the lions, the cliffs, whatever it is in our life. Another thing, be honest with them and don't, and let them know that you don't have all the answers, but God does. And it's okay. And it's a struggle for me as I'm the one that likes to have all the answers, but I don't always have all the answers. And sometimes you've got to look it up. And that's where you need to be honest and say, you know what, I don't know the answer, but let me talk to somebody. Let me look it, look it up. And let's get back together on, let's say, Monday. Make a date. Make a commitment so that you're actually going to do it. Just like when you say you'll pray for somebody. Do it right then. Don't say, I'll pray for you later, because you might forget. Do it now. In fact, sometimes they may just want somebody to sit with. So as you're thinking, how can I be there for somebody? Maybe you don't need to talk at all. Maybe you just need to tell them, you know what, I don't, need to, I don't know what to say. But can I just sit with you for a few minutes, give you some, some company? Or can we just pray together? So I want to end with a thought, or one last thing, and it's the... The 59 one another's of the New Testament. This is how much God loves us and how much he cares so much about love for us that he gives us the 59 one another's of the Bible. These verses guide us on how we should live as Christ and how we should treat one another, such as be at peace with each other, Mark 9:50. We already read in John how we're to love one another. And that is in numerous of the 59 one another's of the Bible. Ten plus verses are all about how we need to love one another. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love, Romans 12.10. Honor one another above yourselves, Romans 12.10. Live in harmony with one another, Romans 12.16. Love one another, again in Romans. Stop passing judgment on one another, Romans 14.13. Accept one another, just as Christ accepted you. Instruct one another. When you come together to eat, wait for each other. 1 Corinthians 11.33. So it's just not a tradition that mama taught you. Maybe lost art that we don't do enough anymore. But it actually says in 1 Corinthians, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. Have equal concern for each other. Serve one another. In love, passion, no groaning, serve one another. Here's a weird one. Galatians 5.15. If you keep on biting and devouring at each other, you will be destroyed by each other. Again, figuratively. 
We need to be there for each other and not always being so critical of each other. Carry each other's burdens. Be patient, bearing with love one another. There's a lot more there, and I can't read them all to you today as we're running short on time. But as I wrap up, I want to challenge you guys to look up these 59 one another's of the Bible. How do we love one another? Something that's so important to God that he gave us these 59 one another's of the New Testament. And it's shown to us throughout the Bible, his love for us. We're supposed to look to him and his example as how we live. We are called to love one another as ourselves. It's the greatest commandment. But what are we doing to love one another, serve one another, forgive one another, be at peace with one another? All these verses. How are we doing at helping others to choose joy through all of this? What can you do tonight, today, to to help others to choose joy, to help them to improve upon themselves? We can always do better. So search for, that's your challenge today. Your challenge last week was I gave you spiritual disciplines to incorporate in your life. I hope you're doing that. Bible study, prayer, worship, confession, journaling. We need to remember the lessons learned from Paul, such as rejoice in the Lord. Remember that true joy, true rejoicing is only found in God. Remember the practical steps of last week. But finally and lastly, I want you to remember the memory verse I wanted you to commit last week to memory, and hopefully you all know, which is this. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. Unfortunately, we like to use this verse for a lot of other things in life. I can get through this bike ride. I can get through this 5K run. I've done a lot of runs. I've seen a lot of t-shirts which love to use this Bible verse. But it's not really talking about things of the world like, like I can do well on this, on this um, fitness test or on this run. What's really talking about God is there for us to help us through each struggle and to help us as we continue to serve him, glorifying him with our life. No matter what we go through in life, we hold on to our joy. We choose joy and remember Christ is there for us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day, this beautiful weekend that you've given us. And I just pray as we go from here this morning, as we continue to praise you this morning with this final song, we remember that you give us joy, a joy which we shouldn't be ashamed of, a joy that no matter how much we are, we're scared of sharing, because maybe we think we don't have the right words to say or we don't know what method to use, we can just be excited that we have this joy. We should be so excited that as a new believer has this fire within them to tell everybody what the, about what they just found, we too want to share this joy with everyone. And even if it means we mess up or we get our tongue twisted, Lord, I know I do that a lot, we know that we can depend on you. Because, Lord, you're the one that gives us the words to say. We're doing your work, and you are in control. So, Lord, as we serve you with our lives, I pray that you help us to remember and to hold on to our joy despite whatever happens. And I pray that you help us to not hold on to it so tight that we don't share it with others. But I pray that we'll help others to choose joy.